with you today, I'd like you to open with me to the New Testament book of Luke, if you would. We'll be in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. We're going to be in starting in verse 39. Luke chapter 1 and verse 39, and just to remind you, we are continuing our study of the gospel according to Luke, which we began three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we looked at the birth of uh, John the Baptist being foretold. Then last week, we looked at the birth of, of, uh, John, of Jesus being foretold. And today we're going to look at another very famous portion of Luke's Gospel. We're going to look at the Magnificat. Now some of you may be more familiar with that terminology than others, but uh, this is a very, very famous part of, of Scripture. It refers to the song that Mary sang in our passage today. So if you found Luke chapter 1 and you're able, I'd like you to stand with me to honor God's Word. We'll pick up in verse 39 and uh, read this section. It says, Now this time... Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that, that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has, regarded, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as we start to look at this passage, I want you first to see the confirmation of the angel's word. Confirmation of the angel's word. Now, where we pick up today, it says that at that time, Mary went to see her relative, her cousin, your Bible may say, Elizabeth. Now, just to kind of remind you what time that was, you remember back whenever Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, came to Zacharias, appeared to him in the temple... And he told Zacharias that even though they were old, even though uh, Elizabeth, his wife, was barren, that she would bear a son. And so through the course of time, God fulfilled his promise, and, and Elizabeth became pregnant. And she, of course, had John the Baptist within her, within her womb. Now, the Bible says that she kept herself in seclusion for several months. In fact, the Bible says for five months. And so then at, at that time, at about the six-month mark, Gabriel shows up and talks to Mary, and he, he tells her that Jesus is going to be born and tells her that Elizabeth, her relative, is pregnant. So right about the six-month mark is when this is referring to, and so, so Mary goes out to visit Elizabeth. Now, the, the, the reason why the Bible doesn't say, but, I mean, they're people, right? We, we tend to think of these folks in the Bible as, as stained-glass saints that we can't identify with, but... But if, if you find out that a relative of yours is pregnant, miraculously so, what are you going to do? You're going to go, I mean, today we would give them a call. 
We would message them through Facebook. We would, we would text them. We would do something. But they didn't have any of that. So what, they, what, what she did was she went to congratulate Elizabeth. She went to talk to her, to, to visit with her. And, and I'm sure she probably went to compare notes. It seems like uh, a lot of times whenever I've, I've seen women who, uh, who are pregnant, whenever they see each other and they find out the other one's pregnant, they pull out their, 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 their big chief pad and start taking notes. And they start talking about, uh, about kicks and morning sickness and swollen feet and, and all the stuff. And so it's likely that Mary went to congratulate her, to, to, uh, to compare notes, maybe to help her out because the Bible says that she was quite old. And so she went to visit Elizabeth and I want you to see in verse 40 what happens. She shows up at Elizabeth's house and greets her. Now, your Bible may say that she saluted her. Understand, this is not the military. So whenever Mary shows up and she sees Elizabeth, she doesn't put her hand to her head like, like she's uh, saluting Captain America. She's saying hi. You think of somebody saying greetings and salutations. It's, that, that's, that's the idea here. And so whenever the people in the East would greet each other, usually they would say something like, peace be with you, or the Lord bless you, or something like that. And then there was usually some sort of other courtesy. Sometimes it would be bowing low and, and different things. Oftentimes, they would, they would embrace. They would give each other a hug. And I'm guessing that's probably what was happening. So here's, here's Mary, a young woman who is newly pregnant. Here's Elizabeth, her much older relative, who is also pregnant. They see each other for first time in no telling how long, several months at the very least. They see each other. She says hi and probably gives her a hug. And when that happens, what does the Bible say uh, Elizabeth's response was? The Bible says that whenever, whenever she heard Mary say hi, she didn't say, Mary, come on in. You want a cup of coffee? Sit down. Uh, let, let, me, let me get some pound cake out for you. She didn't say any of that stuff. She didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, let me tidy up the house. She didn't say, Mary, you've got to stay out on the porch for a minute. Well, I pick up some clothes out of the hall. She didn't say any of that. The Bible says that speaking by the Holy Spirit, she confirmed the angel's words. She, and, and I think this had to be a comfort for Mary because remember, Mary didn't have a chance to put on Facebook that she had a gift registry for baby clothes. She didn't get to call or text. She didn't, she didn't, it wasn't even showing at this point. And so she shows up, Elizabeth sees her, and by uh, speaking through the Holy Spirit, confirms the angel's words and talks about the Lord was in her womb. Okay, so, so this had to be a great comfort for her, a, a great reassurance for her that, that she, she hadn't been dreaming, this, this was really from God. And so the angel's word was confirmed. Now, now notice in our text, and this is a very famous uh, portion of the text, it wasn't just Elizabeth that was filled with the Spirit and recognized the Messiah. What does the Bible say John the Baptist did? He leapt in her womb. Now I've always thought that it would be weird to have somebody growing in my body and being able to feel them move around. But leaping? Whew, that, that'd, be kinda, that'd be a strange sensation. So this wasn't just a kick, this wasn't an, an elbow in the spleen. I mean, this was a, a, a sudden, drastic reaction from John the Baptist. Now the Bible says, it, when, when Gabriel showed up to Elizabeth, he said, or showed up to Zacharias, he said that, that even in the womb, John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, how you work that out in your theology is up to you. But what I know is, is he was. And when, when Christ showed up, he responded. Now, this is, this is just kind of a side note, but many times we, we say that Peter was the first one to confess Christ. Remember Caesarea Philippi, Jesus had the disciples with him and said, Who do men say that I am? They said, well, you know, some say John the Baptist and the prophet. And who do you say that I am? What did Peter do? First time he got it right, he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we say that's the first confession of Christ. Really, this is the first confession of Christ. Because what does, what does Elizabeth say? Look, at, look again at, at the text. It says in, uh, in verse 42, And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? So even before he was born, Elizabeth was confessing him as Lord. It wasn't Peter. Elizabeth was the first one to confess him. So anyway, we have, we have this confirmation of the angel's word. The next thing I want you to see, and this is really the, the, the main thing I want you to take away from this, is the, the scripture-saturated praise of Mary. Her praise was scripture-saturated. Now, in some editions of the Bible, depending on uh, how your Bible handles some of these things, and you, you saw it up on the screen, some, some Bibles, whenever there is a New Testament quotation of an Old Testament passage, it will designate that in some way. Now, I used to, when I was growing up, you know, I had the old Schofield King James Bible. And, and about all they had there was a little number, or a little letter. And often in the... In the in the center column, or, or down at the bottom, usually in the center column in mind, it have a, a reference, and that was about it. But um, if, if, you'll, if you look up there, verse 50, and then also verse 53, in some of the translations, and this is um, my translation, the NASB is, is like this, they will, they will have a, a visual cue, and in my translation, they put it in all caps. Okay, so, so when, when you see that, just realize that's what's going on. And so even when the scripture writer does not say something like, and Isaiah said such and such, or, or and such and such happened to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, so and so, and then give the quotation. Even when that is not the case, many times the, 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 the translations of the Bible, the versions of the Bible, the editions of the Bible, will have some kind of a visual cue, and that's especially helpful for, for us in modern day America, because frankly, we don't know the Old Testament very well. We know God made the earth. We know there was a flood. We know Daniel ended up in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego end up in a, in a fiery furnace, and then something, 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 Jesus. And so we don't know a lot of the details, and so we miss it whenever Scripture is quoted or alluded to without these visual cues. And so when you look at this, you say, okay, I see in verse 50 and then later in verse 53 that there is a direct quotation of Old Testament language. That must be what you're talking about when you say that her, her praise was Scripture-saturated. Well, that's part of it. But her words were shaped by Scripture much more than that. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at the, the, the words that she used, and then I'm going to give you some, some passages out of the Old Testament and see if you can hear any echoes of the Old Testament in her words. Look again at what it says, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things, and holy, 
great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel's servant in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Okay, so keep, keep all that in your mind, okay? Now listen, listen to some of these verses and see if you hear some echoes. Psalm 34, verses 1 to 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast to the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Psalm 103, 17. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children. Psalm 98, verse 1. O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. His right hand and His holy, holy arm have gained the victory for Him. Job 5.11 So that He sets on high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Psalm 107, verse 9 For He has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul He has filled with what is good. We don't have time to look at it today, but in many ways, her song echoes Hannah's song. You remember Hannah was another uh, lady in the Bible who was barren. She, she couldn't have any kids. God miraculously gave her Samuel. And when that happened, she sang a song. And in many ways, Mary's song sounds very much like Hannah's song. Now, the terminology of, of scattering the proud, you may have noticed that was, I guess you'd say, conspicuously absent. That is not specific Old, terminolo- Old Testament terminology. But... Language and the idea of, the themes of, God scattering his enemies, and that speaks of divine judgment on the enemies of God by God, and, and the idea of exalting the lowly and humbling the proud, those are all themes that run throughout the Old Testament. So what Mary does is she combines those and speaks of God scattering the proud. What I'm saying is, Mary did not pull out a strong concordance. She didn't Google... Bible verse about God doing wonderful things. And then sit down and look through the Bible, find verses, and craft a song. This was spontaneous. It happened on the spot. She, she didn't have a Bible to pull out and, and thumb through the pages and say, well, I think this, I'll take this, and I'll take that, and I'll take this. She didn't do any of that. This happened on the spot because she had exposed herself so much to the, to the Word of God, to the things of God, that it transformed her heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, ev- and clearly, this was a heart that was full of God. You say, well, how do I get the Word of God into my heart? Well, first, you've got to read it. Isn't that, isn't that pretty plain? Or sometimes we think that we're going to get through osmosis. If we'll just, if we'll just come to church, well, we'll hear, we'll hear it read, and, and those few verses, that'll get us through until next time. But, but we, first, if we're going to have the Word of God within us, we've got to at least take the Word of God in. See, our, our, our goal should be to fill our hearts and our minds with the things of God. And when we do that, it's going to come out in the things that we say. It'll come out in the ways that we act. It'll come out in the things that we do. And, and did you notice almost all those references that I gave came from one book? Did you, did you catch what they were? Psalms. Almost all of those Scriptures were from the book 
of Psalms. Now remember, Psalms, we have it as, as a book in our Bible. That was the Hebrew hymnal. Okay, this is what they sang when they went to the temple. This is what they sang when they went to synagogue. This is music that she grew up singing. And it transformed her life. And, and, and I think this highlights the fact that it's important to pay attention to what we put into our minds, especially musically. Have you ever noticed how important music is? Have you ever noticed that you go through the day sometimes and you're working along, not really thinking, and all of a sudden you realize you're humming a tune, you're whistling a song. Sometimes you get a, a song stuck in your head and you can't get it out. It drives us, drives us batty. But I think about how important songs are. I'm not, I, I will ask this. Can anybody here say all 66 books of the Bible? Okay, we got, we got one. Can anybody tell, do the books of the New Testament? That's a lot easier because we're more familiar with it. Some of us have been in church all of our lives, and we struggle to say the, the Old Testament, really struggle to say them. New Testament, yeah, we could probably do. How many of us could do it without singing the song? Because we grew up singing the song to figure out the books of the Bible to learn it. It's music. It's music. How many of us hear a song and it reminds us of some wonderful thing that's happened or some tragic thing that's happened? There are songs that some of us, we can't hear without thinking of somebody's funeral. There are songs that some of us, we can't hear without thinking about some celebration that was had in our lives. Sometimes I'll be driving along and, and I'll hear a song. I, can't, I cannot even tell you what it is off the top of my head. But when I hear it, I think it. I think it. There, there's a certain song, I can't remember which one it is, that reminds me of a time I was driving down the road in high school. I was a passenger, my friend was driving, and it's just one of those days where you're just a dumb high school kid, you got the windows down, the sun shining, you got the music blaring, and I, to, to be honest, I can't even tell you what that song is, but when I hear it, that's what I think of. And what, what am I saying? Mary was exposing herself to the Psalms. And it transformed her, her life. It transformed her heart. Now, I've done several uh, nursing home services. And there are people that I've, that I've dealt with and that I've seen that their mental capacities are not what they used to be. But yet when some of those old hymns are sung, they still sing them. It's like they can't even help but sing them sometimes. So, so her, her praise was scripture saturated. And that's really the thing I want us to, that, that's a good example for us. To look at that, that she exposed herself to the things of God so much that, that whenever, whenever it spontaneously came out, she was, she was speaking scripture. She, she had scriptural allusions, if not direct quotations. And finally, I want us to look. At the actual content of her praise, this is going to be just a, just kind of a, a brief touch on things. But first, she thanks God for His personal grace. In other words, she thanks Him for what He's done for her personally. Personally. What does the Bible say? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And she says in verse 46, I'm going to exalt, I'm going to magnify God. Now she's not going to make Him any bigger, any better, because He's already infinite. He's already perfect. There's no way you can add to, take away from God. He is infinite in His perfections. 
And so what she's going to do, as, as one, one uh, writer put it, she's going to celebrate with words. Now, that, I thought that was a, an apt way of putting it. So what you do is when you praise God, you can't add to him. But what you can do is you can, you can magnify, you can extol, you can exalt, you can celebrate not only him, but the things that he's done that show his greatness. And so that's what she does, verse 47. One of the things that, that she thanks God for, and every Christian can rejoice in, is salvation. She calls him God, my Savior. Now I want you to know she needed saving just like everybody else. And just like any of us here, she found salvation in the same place that all of us do, and that's in Jesus Christ alone. She says that all nations, or not all nations, all generations of people will call her blessed. Not blessed because she has some kind of inherent goodness in herself, but look at what she says. Here's the reason why. 4, verse 39, uh, 49. 4, here's the reason. The Mighty One has done great things for me. The emphasis is on God, not on Mary. Next, she moves on to what I'll call God's work among the nations. And we've already looked at this uh, recently. But he, he, she says that he has shown mercy to generations after generations of those who fear him. She says that he sets up and tears down kingdoms. He did it in Israel. The people said, we want a king. He said, all right, here's Saul. Then he took Saul out of the picture, put David in his place. He, he set up and he took down a kingdom. Even today, Romans 13 says that, that all authority, the authorities that exist are there because they're ordained by God. And finally, verses 53 through 55, he has worked for his people. The Bible says that he, he, has, he has given help to Israel. He, he has done just like he promised he would. Then she alludes in verse 55 to the, to the covenant that God made with Abraham. I mean, this is all... A, a recounting of the things that God's done. Now listen, I want us to be, I, I think we have to be very diligent and very careful when we talk about Mary. Because as Protestants, sometimes we say, oh, we can't say anything about Mary. And I don't think that's good because Mary is a good example. She was a very godly person. But we can't exalt her to a place she doesn't rightfully have. She's not a co-mediatrix. She's not a co-redemptrix. She's not sinless. She wasn't conceived sinless. She was a fallen daughter of Adam, just like each of us is a fallen son or daughter of Adam. She needed a Savior. And I think it's amazing to think that the child that she bore would be her Savior. That her son would save her. And that's an incredible thing to think. And listen, like I said, we, I think we do ourselves an injustice when we think we can't think of anything good about Mary. Because listen, God chose her to be Jesus' mom. He didn't choose any of us to be Jesus' mom or dad. But again, it's not because she's blessed, but not because she is, has some inherent value above other people. But because God has chosen her to be the mother of the Messiah. Now having said all that, like I said, she found salvation in the same place that we find salvation in, and that's in Jesus Christ alone. It wasn't counting on goodness. It wasn't counting on merit. 
It wasn't the number of times she went to church, the number of times she read the scriptures. It was faith in Christ. It could be that there's somebody here who's never put their faith in Christ, as she did, as many of us have. If that's you, I would encourage you to do that today. But for those of us who have, we can learn from her example. She was obviously a godly woman. She had exposed herself to the Word of God, and that had shaped her heart. She had gotten the Word of God in. The psalm said, the, there, there's a psalm that says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. And, and I, again, I think this is a, a, a challenge to us to fill our own hearts and lives with the Word of God. Now, that's not to, to say that if you do that, it's a guarantee you won't sin. Because sometimes when you do that, that's when the devil will, will set his sights on you. That's when the temptation will come. But what I'm saying is when we, when we expose ourselves to the Word of God, it will transform our lives. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in the quiet of this time, I, I want to encourage you to think about what you're filling your heart with, what you're filling your mind with. Again, I'm not here to, to cast stones. And this is not to say that you can't read or watch or listen to anything besides Scripture. But it is a challenge to read and listen to and watch Scripture. Not necessarily only Scripture, but Scripture. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would help each of us as we look at this scriptural example to, um, to be encouraged, to be inspired by, to be challenged, to, um, to fill our hearts and our minds with the things of God. And God, I pray that you'd help us as we uh, go throughout our days and our weeks to be more diligent, to read your word, to listen to it, to take it in in, in some fashion. And then allow that to shape our hearts and our lives. So that whenever, whenever we have opportunity, whenever those random times, those spontaneous times come out, it's stuff that it honors and exalts you that comes out. And God, I pray that if there's somebody here who's never accepted Christ as their Savior, that you would draw them to yourself. And let them become your child today. In Jesus' name, amen.